Well, we got a lot of things to talk about today as we kick off this new series. So let's pray, and then we're going to dig into this message together. Almighty God, as we think today about stories, and as we reflect and think about our own lives, uh, first of all, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that you are the good creator of every perfect gift. Uh, Lord, you're the one who has created us. You're the one who has made us. You're the one who has put us into family relationships. God, you've given us opportunities and challenges in life. And Lord, wherever we are in our story, I pray that as we think and really begin to process this series today, Lord, I pray that you would uh, clear any distractions from our minds. Uh, It seems like a tall task, and yet, Lord, with you all things are possible. So Lord, uh, open up our hearts now. Open up our minds so that we might be changed and renewed by what you want to do in our lives today. Lord God, cause us to be reflective. Cause us to think intentionally. And Lord God, help us as a result of what your word does in our hearts today. Help us to look ahead uh, with a new attitude and a new life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, today is the beginning of our new series called Rewritten.me. If you came in a little later after the opener, uh, let me introduce myself again. I'm Ryan. I'm one of the teaching pastors. Glad that you are here today. If you're watching online, thanks for checking us out and tuning into that as well. You know, we said at the beginning that this whole series is based around a pretty simple concept and a simple question. What would we do differently if we began to think of our lives as stories? You know, how would it change the decisions that we make, uh, the attitude that we have, the choices that are a part of our daily, or maybe even bigger choices that are a part of our lives? Well, right away, I just want to say, begin thinking of your life as a story, because it is, okay? Your life is a story. Now, as you think about the past day or the past week, think about highs that you've had, okay? Think about greatest moments in the past day or in the past week. Okay, think in your head, think, 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 remember, got it? Now go negative. Think of a low in the past day, a low spot, a low event. Last week, think about it. Now in the last day or in the last week, what's one lesson that you've learned? Put my laundry away, okay? There's a lesson learned. Could be something bigger. What's the lesson that you've learned? You see, as we begin to think of our lives as stories, we're going to today think about some of the great moments. We're going to think about some of the challenging moments and opportunities that God puts in front of us. And we're going to think together about some of the lessons that God might be teaching us in our stories that we call life. Because here's the thing. Every step that you take in your life will lead you somewhere. Every step you take will lead you somewhere. You know, your life is not a bunch of isolated, random circumstances and random events. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're a child or a teenager, if you're in college, if you're newly married, you've been married for 50 years, if you're retired, if you're an empty nester. Your life is not this random set of circumstances that somehow comes together. Your life is a story. But here's the thing. Your life is one story. It's one story. It's not a bunch of stories, it's one. And so every step that you take, every decision that you make, every choice that's put in front of you, when you begin to walk through an opportunity or accept a challenge or feel a setback in your life, something is happening and your story is being written in a significant way. 
And so here's what we're going to do in this series. Let me just give you the rundown, kind of the, the four-week overview. Today we're going to talk about the reviews. We're going to talk about how you assess your story, the questions you ask. We're going to look at an incredible account from the Old Testament as we do that. Okay, so we're talking about assessment today. Next week, we're going to help you imagine big. We're going to talk about writing an epic in your life. Then week three, we're going to talk about plot twists. Okay, week four, we're going to wrap up the series last weekend in June. We're going to talk about finishing strong all the way through to the end of your life. Even though you don't know when it is, none of us knows, only God knows. But we're going to talk about how you finish strong all the way to the end. So to kind of get us rolling and thinking about reviewing our stories and reviewing our lives, let me just ask you, what kind of story are you living right now? What kind of story are you living? What does your life look like? You know, if a guy came in or a girl came in and they reviewed your life objectively, what would they say about it? You know, I love to buy books. I spend money on books. You know, I love the advent of the Kindle. Okay, any other Kindle people out here? Okay, Nook, iPad readers, or you old school. Who's old school? Okay, who's old school? Paper. Okay, I'm old school when I preach, but when I'm buying a book, I'm buying it on Kindle. I'm reading it on my iPad. Okay, some of you are probably like that. But before I buy a book, I read the reviews. You know, I look at the editorial reviews. And then probably what's more important is, I look at the reviews from other people. So if you go to Amazon.com, you know this. You, you got all the reviews. You got 500 reviews. You know, greatest book I ever read for these reasons. Then you got the guy who's like, don't waste your money. It sounds like everything else I've ever read. And so somewhere in between is the truth, right? Okay. What's the truth of your life? What kind of story are you living right now? If someone came in, would they look at your life and say, oh man, New York Times bestseller, that's it right there. Or would they say, eh, bargain bin, you know, throw it out, couldn't sell anything at Walmart, throw it off to the side. Okay, so what kind of story are you living? And then maybe the more important question, this is big, what kind of story do you want to live? What kind of story do you want to live? Because today's today. Tomorrow's going to be tomorrow. What kind of story do you want to live? Fast forward your life. What do you want it to look like when you look back, when you celebrate, when you're thinking about what happened in your life? What do you want it to reflect? Okay? Now, as we ask those questions today, we're going to do it in the context of looking at an incredible narrative. And we're going to do this over the next four weeks in the Old Testament. A narrative that really is a part of two guys' lives. Elijah and Elisha. And we're going to just look at some great principles, some great truth that applies to our lives today, even though these guys lived more than 2,000 years ago. So let me give you kind of the overall context here, okay? And then we're going to dig into this together. Now, okay, any history buffs out there? Okay, none. Awesome, okay? I'm going to give you a little history lesson right here. You may want to jot some things down if you're a note taker, some dates, some people, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to make it as interesting as I possibly can, okay? Overall context of where we're going in this story, story of Elisha. So here's the deal. We're going to start about 3,000 years ago, okay? In the year 1050 BC. Year 1050 BC, about 3,000 years ago, there was a group of people called the Israelites. Now the Israelites, they were a nation, lived in the Middle East, real history, real time. This is not a fable. This is not a myth. This is not some story I'm making up. This really happened 3,000 years ago. This group of people, they said, hey, we don't have a king. We don't have anyone who's leading us. Well, of course, God was leading them, but they wanted a real earthly king. And so God said, fine, I'll give you a king. First king of Israel was Saul. 
this guy named Saul. 1050 BC, Saul was the king. Saul was the king for 40 years, okay? 40 years. Then after Saul was no longer king, a guy by the name of David became king. David was king for 40 years. After David was no longer king, another guy became king. His name was Solomon. Solomon was king for 40 years. 40, 40, 40, 40 plus 40 plus 40 equals... 120, nice. Okay, so in 930 BC, because we started in 1050 BC, 120 years later in 930 BC, this kingdom called Israel, it was called the United Kingdom, this kingdom split. It divided, okay? The Union and the Confederates. No, okay, it was the Northern Kingdom and the Southern Kingdom, okay? Northern Kingdom was called Israel, Southern Kingdom was called Judah. And so each of these kingdoms existed for a few hundred years. Now here's the thing about these kingdoms. North and South, each of them had kings. Some were really good kings, some were bad kings, and some were really, really, really bad kings, all right? Northern Kingdom had kings, Southern Kingdom had kings. But in addition to kings, they also had prophets. Now prophets were sent by God to these respective nations to serve as God's representative and as God's spokesperson to the king and to the nation. So you got the northern kingdom, Israel, southern kingdom, Judah. Now one of these prophets, one of these prophets was a guy by the name of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet that was specifically designed to talk to or speak into the lives of those in the northern kingdom, which is called what? Okay, Israel, right. By the way, all this stuff that I'm talking about, that I'm summarizing today, can be found in First and Second Samuel and in First Kings. Okay, so Elijah comes into the scene in First Kings chapter 17. Now, the bad thing for Elijah, I suppose you'd say, is that Elijah was a prophet during the reign of King Ahab. You want to talk about a bad king? You want to talk about a really, really bad king? You want to talk about maybe one of the worst kings ever? It was King Ahab. In fact, I don't know anyone who's ever named their child Ahab, okay? Benjamin Robert Welch, not Benjamin Ahab Welch, not Ahab Robert Welch, okay? We don't go there because it's no compliment to be called Ahab, just like it's no compliment to be called Jezebel or other people like that in the Old Testament. And so Elijah is speaking in a really difficult situation to this king called Ahab and to the nation of Israel. This nation of Israel, they're not listening to him. They don't really care for him. He's got a tough job. You thought your job was bad? Try being a prophet. So Elijah's a prophet. He's got some great highs, some wonderful moments in his life. He's got some really, really low times as well. In fact, in one occasion, we read about this in 1 Kings chapter 19. Okay? Elijah's at the bottom. He's done. You know, when he's looking at his life story, he's like, God, I'm finished. I don't want this anymore. I don't like it. I don't like my life. No one likes me. Ugh. So think about your story now. Because some of us came into church there. We're here today, but really, when it comes to our life, we're there. We're in the spot of Elijah. We may have had great moments in the past, but right now we are suffering through a really tough season in life. See, that's what Elijah was, or that's where he was in 1 Kings 19. And it was in that context that God came to him and said, Elijah, first of all, I've never left you. Second of all, I want you to go and find a successor. And this would be very, very easy because he's got a name just like you. His name is Elisha. 
And so he does that, and that's when we enter in to 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 to 21, which is our main text for today. So grab a Bible if you do not have one, and uh, you can see the page number there on the screen, or you can log on to version if you use the version Bible app. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to start at verse 19. Okay, so you got the context here. You understand where we are historically right now. That's kind of where it all fits in. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 19. And by the way, for the next few weeks of this series, we're going to be hanging out in 1 Kings and 2 Kings most of the time. Okay, we're going to be looking at the life of Elisha. Okay, not Elijah, but Elisha. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Let's see what we can find out about Elisha. So Elijah went from there. Remember, God said, go find Elisha. And he found Elisha, son of Shephet. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Okay, so what, what can we learn about Elisha just from that? Okay, he's probably a farmer, but maybe more than that, he's a wealthy man and comes from a wealthy family. Okay, he was driving, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. That's a lot of meat. That's a lot of cattle right there. Okay, that's 24 oxen. The equivalent today would be a big John Deere tractor. Okay, big, not your little garden tractor, a monstrous John Deere tractor. So Elisha's a wealthy man from a wealthy family, probably had other slaves working with him as well. Elijah went up to him, the Bible says, and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, and he ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. Okay, so what else do we learn? He's got a mom and a dad, right? He's got a family, which means that he was probably going to receive some kind of really significant inheritance. In other words, Elisha was set up for a good, comfortable, amazing future. It's almost like, think about Elisha's life. He had everything to lose and very little to gain if he were to step away from what he was doing and walk into following the footsteps of Elijah. And yet, look at the end of verse 19 again. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. That act signified that Elisha would become Elijah's successor. Now, here's the deal. Elisha has a choice. He didn't have to go. He could go. He could not go. He could have followed Elijah. He could have kept on plowing. In that moment, he has a choice. But that's what God does, doesn't he? God gives us choices. God gives us chances. God puts opportunities in front of us. Every day, every day we as human beings need to make decisions. But every once in a while, there's a big one. Am I going to take it or not? Am I going to move or not? Am I going to accept this or not? Am I going to invest in this relationship or not? Every once in a while. And again, maybe some of you are right there, so this series is very, very timely for you. There is an opportunity or a, a choice put in front of you. And in those moments, like in the moment of Elisha, we have to evaluate what kind of story we want to live. Because I asked you, what kind of story are you living? But then the follow-up to it is, what kind of story do you want to live? You could have two good options. You could have two great options. 
But every day, you're given chances, you're given choices. Now remember, remember what I said earlier, your life is connected. It's not a bunch of random, random issues and circumstances kind of circling around you. Every step you take leads you somewhere. So the thing is, God invites you into opportunities, but God doesn't command you to go there or to go here or to go here. Your life is not fatalistic. God doesn't have this all perfectly predetermined and you've got to try to figure it all out and follow it. God gives you a lot of choices and a lot of opportunities, some of which are good, some of which are really, really good. But all of it could be within God's will. You know, if it's not sin, if it's not violating the commands of God or the character of God, God's will can be a pretty big thing. And so God is leaving it up to you to say, okay, what am I going to do in this moment? Am I going to keep doing what I've been doing? Keep, and that could be good. You could have a great life. Or am I going to follow Elijah into the adventure that God has planned for him and for me? So the key question for us today, I know I'm giving you a bunch of questions, but again, we're reflecting today, we're assessing it. Is my story defined by success or significance? What do you want? And what do you have right now? Is my story defined by success or significance? Because for a lot of us, our stories are defined by success. Now, admittedly, okay, life may dictate some of those terms. You know, if you're a mom staying at home with kids, working hard during the day with your kids, okay, life dictates some of those terms. You know, if you're near in retirement, life is dictating some of those terms. But in a very broad sense, do you want your story defined by success or significance? Okay, let's go back to the box over here. If I could change my story, if I could rewrite my story, I would change Here's what one person said. I would change how I used my time as a father with children. I was a workaholic at a major corporation. If I could change my story, here's what I would change. I wouldn't do that. That's what this guy's saying. Is my story defined by success or significance? His story. Early on, as he admitted on that card, it was defined by success. But what he knew he missed out on was the opportunity to be significant in his own child's life. You see, let's go back to the text here, 1 Kings 19. Elisha's plowing. He's working. He was successful. Again, wealthy man, wealthy family, and maybe most important, a very promising future. You know, again, to be clear, he was probably doing to this point in his life exactly what God wanted him to do. But, let's fast forward a little bit. What if he had kept doing that? Again, it would have been fine. He clearly would have been successful. But would he have been as significant? And would his life have made such an eternal difference if we fast forward to the end and we see what happened? You see, let's fast forward your future for a moment. Okay. If you're someone here today, you're single, what does significance look like for you rather than success? What does it look like? You know, may, maybe it has something to do with being involved in a mission or a project or a cause so much greater than yourself. 
You know, what if you're married with no kids? You know, what does that look like for you? What does it look like if you have young kids? Success or significance? Success could be trying to make a ton of money early on so that you get on the right career path. Significance could be investing your life into your kids and into the next generation. Because you know, at the end of the day, you're, you're not taking your toys with you. You know, what if you're raising teenagers? What does success look like? Oh, giving them, you know, a lot of opportunities. Maybe significance is helping them to become independent so that when they fly away from your nest, they're ready to go. You know, what does success look like for someone who's an empty nester? Oh, just, you know, trying to reacquaint myself with my spouse because we haven't talked in 20 years and kind of plugging back into work. Maybe, maybe significance is giving back. Not, not starting to take in more, but giving back. What if you're retired? What does success look like? Kicking back, relaxing, watching everyone else do the work? Or is significance being very intentional about the legacy that you are leaving? You see, here's the truth. You can't go back. You can't go back. You know, as we look at this text here, as we look at all of Scripture, as we look at our own stories, you can't go back. You can't go back to any part of your story and really rewrite it. You can't go back and redo it. That's why the decisions that you make today matter. You can't live your life looking back, back over your shoulder. You can't do it because you can't go back. This is why today matters. Not just, you know, in five years we're going to do this, in ten years we're going to do this. Guys, this is why today matters. Because you can't go back. You can look ahead, but you can't go back. And, and honestly, I think this is some of the pain that comes with a message like today. Is that we begin to realize that. And that hurts. And it's disappointing and disheartening. But, there's something else to it as well. You know, we read earlier these great words from Philippians chapter 3. In fact, I want to share them again with you. Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, forgetting what is behind. Okay, forgetting it. He knows he can't go back. He knows he can't live his life looking over his shoulders. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. First of all, look who's doing the calling. It's God. Who's the receiver? In this case, it's the Apostle Paul. What's he got? He wants to win the prize. The prize that God has called him heavenward. In Christ Jesus. For him, it wasn't about looking back, living in the past, the success or the failure or anything else. It is about looking ahead to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. Jesus. You see, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus sets us free. He sets us free for the future. He gives us opportunity. He helps us to think about our lives in a very, very different way. You know, here's one. If I could rewrite my story, I would change that I had an affair and I hurt my husband so badly. That's all they wrote. Seven lines are left empty. I had an affair and I hurt my husband so badly. If I could go back, 
That's what that person would change. That person knows they can't go back. And so they're living with some of that pain, some of that regret. Where do you go from there? What if, what if we went the route of the Apostle Paul? What if we said, forgetting what is behind? Okay, because as I said earlier, Jesus has washed that away. As I said last week, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means that my future is bright in light of the cross of Christ. That the cross will bring fresh starts, it'll give me a new beginning. And therefore, today is the day that we begin to look ahead as we think about our stories. You know, look at what happened in the life of Elisha. Look at verse 21. Look what Elisha did to emphasize this point. This is huge, okay? You got to look at verse 21. If you, if you don't have your Bibles open, open them up. 1 Kings 19. Look at verse 21. This is so key. Just incredible verse in the Bible. So Elisha left him and he went back. He went back to his family. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. Blood everywhere. Killed them. You know how much money was in that? He killed them. He slaughtered them. Then, okay, this won't make daddy happy. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. And he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. What did he do? He burned his past behind him. Do you see that? Not in a disrespectful sort of way, but in a way that says, hey, I'm moving forward. And I'm not going back. So many of us live paralyzed by the past. We get stuck. We get defined by our past. We get defined by a previous mistake, a sin that we made. You know, we let the affair define our reality. We let the cheating, we let the lying, we let something else define our reality. But the only one that can set you free and the only one that can define who you are and what your life is all about is Jesus the Christ. He's it. That's why Paul says, forget what's behind me, I'm pressing on. Because I've been called, called heavenward in Christ Jesus. God and God alone can rewrite your story. The past has passed, okay, fine. But today's a new day. And, and God and God alone can rewrite the story of your life. In fact, Jesus already did. Jesus has already put before you an opportunity. You know, in the Old Testament, Moses said, You know, according to God's own words, choose life or death. But choose life. Okay, again, you've got choices. Okay, you could go this way or that way. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Be there. Because there is where freedom is. There's where significance is. But also, that's where sacrifice is too. You see, the path to significance, you want to get there? Is sacrifice. You look at the story of Elisha. Elisha was giving up what he knew to be certain, what he knew to be true, the guarantees of life. He was risking. He was sacrificing. Are we willing to do that? Are you willing to go there? Are you willing to sacrifice? Could be a pay cut. Could be a different life. Could be a smaller house. Are you willing to sacrifice in order to follow Jesus And to begin to have a new story written in your life. You see, Jesus doesn't offer easy. Never does. God never said this would be easy. God never said, oh yeah, this is the way that you need to go. Okay? 
but when he offers it, when he says, come, take up your cross and follow me, he is inviting you into a life of adventure and challenge. Never told the disciples it would be easy. In fact, if you asked them three years later how easy was it, they could have found something much easier to do. But what God wants to give us is freedom and peace, knowing that we are a part of a much bigger love story that he is writing and that he wants you to be a part of. Again, he didn't predetermine your future. He's giving you choices to be successful or significant. Which one do you want to be? And if you want to be significant, the path to that is sacrifice. It may be giving up for the sake of gaining something else. So this week, okay, remember this is a four-part series, so a lot more to say about this topic. But this week, here's what I want you to do. Okay, if you want to take this series seriously. First thing, assess your story. Where are you at in your story? Okay, and here's one way to do it. You know, when you came in, you had the opportunity to get it growing deeper. If you didn't get one on the way in, grab one on the way out. It can be part of your journaling tool if you want to do that. Write a few paragraphs this week and assess your story by thinking about it in three categories. Highs of your story, you know, what have been the great moments of your story? What have been the low moments of your story? The high, the low, and again, maybe the most important category, lessons learned. Assess your story this week. Just take 30 minutes and do that. Because that will set you up for the rest of the series. And then the second thing, just begin to look ahead. Look ahead to a new future. Because today, this week, this is the moment, this is the opportunity that God is setting before all of us. It's the day that he has made. So the Bible says, let us rejoice, let us be glad in it. Let us walk forward in faith, embracing whatever could come before us. Because the story that God has for us could be an incredible story. So let's jump in. Let's be a part of it. Let's stand and pray about it. Heavenly Father, we know that you don't coerce us, you don't force us, but God, you give us opportunities to be changed, God, to be challenged, to be given new doors to walk through. Lord, as we think now this series about our lives as stories, God, would you cause each of us here and all of us listening to this week begin to assess clearly as honestly as we can, where we've been, what our life has been about, and then help us to think, okay, God, do I want my story defined by success or significance? And Lord, by your wisdom and by your power, help us to make the right step in the right direction. Lord, this could mean change. God, this could mean incredible sacrifice for some of us. But Jesus, we know that your promises are true. Surely you are with us, even to the end of the age. So God, we count on that promise today. And we build our lives upon it. We ask that no matter what season we're in, that you would journey ahead of us and that you would lead us. In the name of Christ, amen.